Welcome to the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Thank you for joining us. And if you want to learn more about our church, look us up on Facebook or our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. Jim Bartos shares this story. When one of our grandsons was about eight years old, he announced at a family gathering that I treat my my wife like a queen. Hmm. I puffed myself up and asked him asked him a question, expecting that the answer would give me a similar stature. Since I treat her like a queen, what does that make me? And my grandson's response, a servant. That wasn't the answer that Jim was expecting. It's amazing how much our children see and catch of our lives. One of the biggest ways our children learn is by watching and imitating us. Make no mistake, they will watch and imitate everything you and I do, good and bad. This is how they grow. I could ask, parents, what are you giving your kids to imitate? Are you giving them the good, the bad, or the best? It's not enough to ask parents what they give their children to imitate. Adults, what are you giving the children of our community to imitate? The children in our communities see how we treat one another, how we treat those who are poor and less fortunate, how we treat those who are seen as insignificant, and how we treat the powerful. Our children see how we respond to disappointment, to losing, to winning, not getting our way, or, and how we respond to fear. Children see you at your proudest moments of accomplishment and your lowest moments of failure, and they imitate how you react. But it's not just children who watch and learn and grow. We all do. We all imitate. And imitation is important. We need to be intentional about who we imitate. I suspect some of us, without even knowing it or thinking about it too much, imitate those who are society values without even asking the question, are my examples truly of God? We can imitate ourselves into a rotten life, or we can imitate into the very best life. As long as you and I are alive, we are growing. And if you want to grow well, imitate Christ. If you want the best for those around you, show them Christ in you. Today we return to Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. And what we read and find is that Paul understands the power of imitation. Paul understands that wherever he goes, people will watch him and decide if they want to imitate him. If they like what they see in him, if he passes the smell test, non-Christians, new Christians, and seasoned Christians watch and weigh Paul's example, trying to decide if they want to imitate who he is. So let's read the text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5b. That's the second half of verse 5 through verse 7. It's just a short passage today. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. I hope by this point you can hear the theme of imitation and example. Paul is writing to a young church who finds themselves under tremendous pressure, and pressure reveals who we are. Under pressure, we can crumble apart or we can shine like diamonds. And Paul, he wants the very 
best for the Thessalonian church. He wants them to gain eternity. He wants them to shine like diamonds. And so he reminds them of his own character and of Silas and Timothy's character. And Paul also knows the Thessalonians are being watched by the world. There's a lot on the line. Now you might be thinking to yourself, Paul is pointing to his own example of how to live and conduct lives? That feels very arrogant of Paul. Imitate Paul. Now, Paul is not perfect, and he knows that he's incredibly flawed. He even goes as far as to tell us this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Paul, he calls himself the foremost of sinners. Some might say the chief of sinners. He knows the ugly contours of his soul. Paul does not ask us to imitate his flaws. His flaws he offers to give us hope, for we are all flawed, and we are all bedraggled with life. No, Paul asks us to imitate something else that's inside of him. And he shares that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Paul says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Paul asks us and the Thessalonians to imitate him so far as Jesus is in him and he imitates Jesus. And so the Thessalonians, you and I, we are all called to imitate Christ so that we grow and become examples for others. But you might ask the question, why does it matter if we follow Jesus? Why does it matter if we follow Christ? And I just offer just a few quick reasons why we would follow and imitate Jesus. The imitation of Jesus, one, is how we grow. And we are called to grow. Growth is a necessary part of life. We all will grow, but we can grow in good ways and in bad ways. And if we want to grow well, we must imitate Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 says this, So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which it is equipped, with each part is working properly, makes the body grow as it builds itself up in love. It says we are to grow, and we're to grow in Christ. So how do we do that? We imitate Jesus. A second reason why we should imitate or follow Jesus is we imitate Christ because our natural state is a sinful one. If we're left to choose who we imitate, we will naturally choose wrong examples. Ever hear the phrase hero worship? It is alive and well in our culture. It never goes away. I mean, just look at sports jerseys, celebrity shoes, you musicians. If you can name the star or the celebrity, there are people who will imitate them. And the sin nature will lead us to imitate the wrong people. In the letter, 3 John, verse 11, we read these words. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God, and whoever does evil has not seen God. A third quick reason why we should imitate Christ is the imitation of Christ is an act of worship. Have you ever heard the phrase, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery? And I tell you, the imitation of Jesus will point to Jesus and give him glory. Each time we imitate Jesus and we do it well, his name is proclaimed. 
And a last reason I'd just give you really quickly about how we or why we should imitate Jesus is the imitation of Jesus provides real answers to the problems of the world. Our world is begging, begging, begging for love, for acceptance, for approval. And every version that our world conjures up to love, acceptance, and approval, it's a pale comparison to the real redemptive power of Jesus. And so when we imitate Jesus, we offer to the world the truth of what love and acceptance and approval really is. So, how do we imitate Jesus? Well, the Bible tells us a lot about Jesus and his character, and there is much we could do to imitate Jesus. However, I want to offer a caution. I think a lot of people think about being like Jesus, and then they think of, well, that means good behavior. They think of standing up for the poor and calling out the powerful, taking them to task. The list is endless of what we could do to imitate Jesus. There's a lot of good things we could do to imitate Jesus. Our lives in this world would be a better place if we even just imitated Jesus a little bit. But I also think if we leave it up to ourselves to determine what it means to imitate Jesus, we're going to pick and choose the character traits of Jesus we most identify with. For some of us, that means we'll be lifting up the downtrodden, the least of these. For some of us, that means we'll be fierce with God's truth and we'll, we'll hold people of power accountable. For some, they will see that Jesus went to a lot of banquets and parties and they'll say, well, I'll become a party animal for Jesus. I'm not sure we're supposed to do that. I'd like to offer this for your consideration. Paul, in an effort to help the Thessalonians grow, he offered himself as an example for them to follow. And then after they imitated him, he praised them that these Thessalonians had now become an example for the church and for the world to see and imitate. There is something to be said about following examples. And there are three places in the New Testament that I want to direct your attention to that describe Jesus as our example. So if you want to imitate Jesus, let's start in the places where he is, we are told that he is our example. And the first text I want to direct you to is in John chapter 13, verses 13 through 15. This is how it reads. Jesus is speaking, he says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Jesus, in his own words, tells his disciples that he is giving them an example from himself to imitate. Jesus knows his authority and he uses it to serve. He does not use it to simply serve, but to serve redemptively. It would have done the, the apostles no good if Jesus dedicated himself to their foot care, but instead he dedicated himself to the care of their souls. So how do we imitate Jesus? We use what we've been blessed with to serve others redemptively. And that might mean washing dirty feet or filling hungry stomachs or sharing friendship with the lonely. But that also means that we understand that a person's need stands both here on earth and in eternity. And so we are called to serve like Jesus, redemptively. Secondly, there's a passage about Jesus as an example from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. And we read part of this scripture earlier in this message. 
And it goes like this. The saying, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Now, you might say that Paul is the example here, but the perfect patience of Jesus is the example for us to follow. Some of us pray for patience. Some of us are afraid to pray for patience. But I've never heard of someone say they wanted perfect patience. And here Paul tells us that perfect patience was brought to bear on himself, the chief of sinners, and mercy was given to Paul, to Paul by Jesus. I know that the more impatient I become, the more I rush, the more I get upset with someone's behavior and decisions, the more I withhold mercy, and the more I'm willing to take upon my shoulders the robes of a judge. We need to follow the example of Jesus' perfect patience. And not, not to make excuses for sin, and not to make excuses for bad behavior, but to offer redemptive mercy and grace. And the final example from Jesus is found in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verse 21, it says this, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. And this is how the Thessalonians, this is how they're living. They are suffering for the truth of the gospel. They're not simply suffering. Their suffering becomes a redemptive example for all to see. And it even gets to the point where Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, they report in verse 8 of uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, they, they report that they don't even have to say a thing to the world around them. Wherever they go, they don't have to say a word because the message of the Thessalonians has, has moved out ahead of them. Their example has preached ahead of them. Now, as with serving with perfect patience, as with, I should say, as with serving, and with perfect patience, this suffering is redemptive in purpose. Because the passage from 1 Peter continues. It's 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. It says, He continued, he committed no sin, meaning Jesus. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Jesus suffered on the cross to purchase redemption for you and for me. But as we are told, he did this leaving an example so that we might follow in his, his steps. It's tempting when we are under pressure, when we are around people who are against us, to want to shout, to want to push back, to, to even threaten uh, when we feel threatened. But Jesus did not do this. He laid down his life. And he calls us to not respond with this anger and this force. I've heard it said that people seldom notice a job done right, but they will always notice when it is done wrong. And I would add, your actions become truly powerful when no one would fault you for doing what is wrong, for seeking vengeance or getting even in the face of injustice. 
but it's powerful when instead you do what is right and, ex and imitate the example of Christ. On October 5th of, 20, of 2006, almost said 2016, we've been in the teens for too long here, October 5th of 2006 in Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania, a man named Charles Roberts, the milkman, he barricaded himself heavily armed in an Amish schoolhouse, intending to do harm and destruction to the 25 children and several teachers inside. After a little bit, he sent away everyone but the girls, and he bound their hands and feet. The oldest of these girls asked that Roberts would take her life and spare the other girls. This unnerved Charles and he attempted to shoot and kill all ten of the girls. Police were able to intervene, and five of the girls survived. Roberts took his life before the police could reach him. The story could have ended there, but it didn't. The Amish forgave Roberts. They attended his funeral. They urged the community to not think of him as evil. They reached out to the shooter's widow and three children and invited them to attend their girl's funeral, saying, the Bible says to mourn with those who mourn. Now, the tragedy made national news, and there was a public outpouring of money to help the families who lost their girls. And the Amish only received the money when a portion was set aside for Robert's widow and children. They knew that they were going to need financial help too. In that tragedy, we see a community imitating Christ's example with redemptive servanthood, redemptive patience, and redemptive suffering. Will you imitate the example of Christ? I want to close by offering a prayer for myself that perhaps you will make your own. God, this day I dedicate myself to imitating Christ. Lord, help me to desire and live out the redemptive grace of Jesus for others. Our world is starving for grace, and they don't even know it. Help me, Lord. Help me to serve others redemptively. Help me to extend mercy to others with Jesus' perfect patience. Lord, strengthen me to suffer for the redemption of those who are sinners needing the forgiving power of Jesus in their lives. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. Go with Jesus.